Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's guest is Dr. Richard Mann. He's an expert on vitamin B1 and developer of a product called Zobria. You can get information about it at zobria.com. Uh, it's a special bioavailable form of vitamin B1. And in part one, we talked a little bit about uh, who might be at risk for low B1 and what uh, some of the symptoms of B1 deficiency or insufficiency might be. Um, so th- the question arises, you know, there, there are multivitamins out there and they got, you know, B1, B2, B3, uh, folate, uh, pantothenic acid, which is B5, B6, B12. They got it all in there. Uh, why not, why is it that you have to take a specialized form of, uh, B1 to, uh, replete yourself with, uh, B1 to address these, these complaints? Well, it has to do with the form and also the quantity. Um, in a multivitamin, you may get one milligram of vitamin B1. And if you're, uh, if you have trouble metabolizing or absorbing vitamin B1, that's just not going to restore the levels. And, um, if you are, uh, a diabetic and you are urinating out your vitamin B1 excessively, just restoring one milligram a day is not going to, uh, give you any, uh, relief from the deficiency that you're suffering. So you want to have a larger, a larger amount of B1 so it's much more effective. And, and let me make this point here now. This is incredibly safe. There's no history of anybody overdosing or have any toxic, significant mm-hmm. toxic effects from vitamin B1. This is about as safe as it gets. So you can't give too much to somebody. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like this product so much because of its extremely high safety fi- profile. And if you don't give enough, you probably won't reverse the the uh, deficiency that you're you're suffering from. So, um, just one milligram generally would not be enough for someone who is at possibly high risk of vitamin B one deficiency. And also, I think there's something about the form because uh, the nerve cells are uh, they're basically in a fatty envelope, and uh, the form of vitamin B1 you're talking about, benfotiamine, is, I believe it's a fat-soluble form as opposed to ordinary thiamine, uh, thiamine hydrochloride, which is a water-soluble, right? That's what's in multivitamins and B-complexes generally. Yes, 
But I, I think more to the point is the fact that uh, on, when you take benfotiamine orally, one of the first things that happens is it's, uh, it's absorbed in the gut, and after it's absorbed in the gut, the molecule becomes a metabolite assignment called thiamine monophosphate. Okay. Thiamine monophosphate is a precursor to thiamine diphosphate, which is the active form of the, uh, the uh, vitamin. So thiamine monophosphate is actually the level that's increased uh, in the body, which then becomes the active form of thiamine. And the, uh, um, the, the lipid solubility of it is very relevant in the gut when you're, when you're absorbing it. But after it gets into the body, it becomes the same uh, thiamine that you, you take ordinarily. So uh, you mentioned you know, how long you have to take it. Uh, it takes about 30 days to see a response because the nerve cells have to t- uh, require some time to repair, I guess. Uh, how much do you have to take? You know, let's say somebody gets a bottle of Zobria, uh, you know, do you have to take 10 pills a day or, you know, what's the dosage? What works best and is the most efficient is to give a loading dose. So if someone is uh, deficient in a vitamin, you want to restore that vitamin rapidly and we give a loading dose of two capsules twice a day. Mm-hmm. And after a month's time, um, that restores vitamin B1 levels so that you're no longer deficient. And one of the ways you can tell that is the symptoms, if they're going to get better, they, they get better in a month's time. And then afterwards, we reduce it to one capsule twice a day. Um, and we do that because that's more appropriate. And after you have resumed your level or restored your levels of vitamin B1, you don't need to take so much. All you need to do is to restore whatever you're urinating out or give you enough so that you can continue functioning. You're, um, you're basically maintaining your vitamin B1 level, and you can do that by dropping the dose to uh, two capsules a day. So her maintenance dose, it's uh, you know, one twice daily, I guess. Yeah, or, or generally people take two um, by mouth in, in, the, in the morning, and uh, that's it. Okay. Uh, you don't and, have to um, divide the when dose. When you're taking, you don't have to divide the dose. No. Okay. Uh, so uh, when it comes to sources of B1 in the diet, uh, how can people safeguard against uh, B1 deficiency or thiamine deficiency? What are some of the foods that are rich in, in vitamin B1? It, it won't work for people who are so far gone that they have uh, pain, tingling, and numbness. Uh, but for ordinary folks who are trying to maintain B1 levels, uh, what should they be emphasizing? Well, I, I think this, the normal diet that we have is um, probably got adequate B1 if you don't have any problems with absorbing it, or you're young, or you're not in one of the uh, situation, not in one of the groups that we spoke about, which was um, obese people or elderly people, diabetics, alcoholics, legumes, pork, uh, etc. Brown but rice as opposed to polished need- rice because you need the B1 from the the yeah. seed coat of the rice. Uh, I think pork is a yeah. source. Pork is a fairly rich source of yes, time. pork. Pork is a source. Yeah, actually, vitamin B1 is only. An interesting aside, vitamin B1 is only produced by microorganisms, oh. fungi, bacteria, that sort of thing, and it goes up the food chain. So um, in whatever animals, like uh, pork, concentrates B1 in it, but the original source of this 
is these microorganisms. And what's very interesting is they've had some die-offs of uh, wild animals like fish. There's two, two cases where fish were dying off, and they couldn't determine why. And these uh, these, these were farm uh, farm-raised fish, and um, they gave benfotiamine, which is the active ingredient in Zobria. They threw it into the water where these fish were, and they got better. And they they're thinking that there's an issue with microorganisms that produce vitamin B1 dying off because of climate change and the change in the uh, the temperature of the oceans. Okay. Well, did you hear that in aquarium enthusiasts? Uh, if you throw a couple of capsules of Zobria into the into your uh, uh, aquatic uh, tank, uh, you'll save the fish. Those valuable uh, zebra fish that you bought in Angel. No, I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're not a, I'm so you're glad not a, you're kidding. You're not a, you're not a veterinarian. I'm going to back away from that. You're yeah. not a veterinarian. You're no, not but a veterinarian. it was very it was very interesting King, uh, yeah. that benfotiamine restored the thiamine levels, and the thiamine levels were down because of what they projected to be climate change. Oh, okay. Well, then we're all at risk of uh, worsening numbness, tingling, and pain if uh, the present uh, trends hold out. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, now, uh, how does is Zobria, is there some secret sauce to uh, Zobria? Is it a special form of uh, benfotiamine, a special dosage? How did you arrive at the formula? Well, you know, uh, practicing uh, treating people with uh, nerve disease of the feet and legs, uh, I was able to uh, perfect the uh, the management and the dosage of it. And also, the literature is just completely filled with studies using uh, the active ingredient in Zobria, which is benfotiamine. And it seemed as though 300 milligrams was the right dose, and and, and giving a uh, loading dose initially was an excellent uh, way of uh, getting uh, vitamin B1 levels back to where they should be rapidly. How, how much is there in each capsule? Of, how much is in each capsule? Uh, each capsule has 150 milligrams of uh, benfotiamine, and I also put some vitamin B12 in there as well. Okay. Uh, and we give rather low levels of vitamin B12 because um, uh, we want to make sure that we're not giving too much vitamin B12. And, and the main thrust here is for the uh, vitamin B1 to restore vitamin B1 levels. Right, because, I mean, I guess there are... In, in severe vitamin B12 uh, deficiency, you can get similar symptoms. So you want to make sure that it's uh, the B1 that's doing the heavy lifting when people do a trial of Zobria. And it, it, it probably is just a little bit of an insurance policy on giving people a, a minimal amount of B12. Um, and, and, and also some of the people in the groups that we spoke about tend to be B12 deficient as well. Yeah. So I thought it was uh, an excellent... Yeah. Uh, you're familiar with uh, one of the world's leading researchers on uh, thiamine vitamin B1, Dr. Derek Lonsdale. Uh, so I actually, I think I interviewed him on this program about 30 years ago, you know, when it was first broadcasting. Uh, he's like, you know, the, 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 grand, the grandfather of, uh, of vitamin B12. He's, he's, I mean, sorry, vitamin B1. He's done an enormous amount of research on that. What insights did you gain from uh, looking at, at his research? He's a brilliant man. Unfortunately, I've never met him. I, I think I've read most everything he's written. 
he had the insight to realize that vitamin B1 deficiency was a significant problem and that it could be restoring B1's levels could have a significant effect on, on people. He looked at that there was a, I think a vaccine that he looked at that caused vitamin B1 levels to uh, go uh, to plummet. Uh, he did a lot of uh, work. I think he re- he's written over a hundred uh, articles, by the way, scientific papers. He he did work on um, mitochondria and mitochondria production of uh, ATP being reduced as a result of vitamin B1 deficiency, and that connection between vitamin B1 mitochondria um, working not as well or dysfunction and the production of ATP, that line from one to the other, now looks very obvious. But I, I think Dr. Lonsdale was one of the pioneers in that reasoning and that research, and uh, he is uh, a giant in the field. I think he's originally a pediatrician. I think he's done some work on uh, developmental disorders uh, and behavioral disorders in kids with looking at B1. So that... Uh, you know, another aspect of it. Uh, so a question I should have asked in part one, uh, I mean, is this a rare thing? How prevalent is B1 deficiency or insufficiency? Is it, uh, do you have statistics on it? Um, not, not per se, but uh, I will tell you that the study that was done in England 15 years ago, they looked at the diabetics and they found that the diabetics that they studied were B1 deficient. So if you extrapolate that to America, that's 30 million people. Uh, that 30 million diabetics, B1 deficiency, high suspicion of B1 deficiency. If you look at alcoholics who develop nerve dysfunction in the feet and legs, um, and it's most likely a result of vitamin B1 deficiency, that's another 10 million people. If you were to look at pre-diabetics, um, these are people who have uh, glucose uh, metabolism problems but have not yet gotten to the level mm-hmm. that you would call them a diabetic. So-called metabolic these syndrome. People tend, people. Yeah. Yes, yes, metabolic syndrome and, and pre-diabetics as well who are uh, in that continuum of having problems metabolizing glucose properly, many of them, many of them respond to uh, vitamin B1 supplementation with uh, with benfotiamine, but that's just what I'm seeing anecdotally. I've never read anything on that, but I will tell you that 18% of pre-diabetics, and there's about 100 million pre-diabetics in America, 18% of pre-diabetics have uh, nerve function problems in the feet mm-hmm. and legs. Even, so even, I, without I over, even before being diagnosed formally with full-blown diabetes. That, I, I've seen that. It precedes, yes, that, and, the, it precedes the high blood sugar sometimes. So that's not very well known, but it's very well established in the literature. So the inability to process glucose appropriately is a continuum. It starts out modestly, and then after it, re- and it increases and increases, and then when it hits a certain threshold, we call it diabetes. There's certain numbers go over a certain threshold, we call it diabetes. But prior to that, it's pre-diabetes. And people just aren't aware of uh, the magnitude of the problem associated with pre-diabetes. You're looking at um, what appears to be about 100 million people with some sort of glucose processing problem before they become diabetic. So this is a very, very large number, and 18% of them, according to certain studies, 
have nerve problems, uh, functioning problems in their feet and legs. So this is a, and, and is this due to the type of diet we have or what we're eating or exercising, et cetera? Um, these are questions to be answered, but it's a very relevant public health issue. So when you ask me how many people are thiamine deficient, no one has done that study, but I can give you some estimations based on fact. Indeed. I'm, I'm going to let you put your uh, podiatrist hat on for a moment. Uh, how important is it for people with, uh, certainly with diabetes, but perhaps even with, you know, borderline blood sugar, uh, metabolic syndrome, you know, some perhaps elevations in their hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of average blood sugar. How important is it for them to get routine podiatric care? It's very, very essential. I mean, the big problem with diabetes, one of the big problems with diabetes in the feet are ulcerations and a lack of nerve function. Ulcerations can lead to bone infections, and bone infections can lead to amputations and even worse consequences. And if you have numbness in your feet and your legs and you have a problem, you don't recognize it. For example, if you uh, step on a tack and you have a puncture wound in your foot, and you're not aware that you stepped on a tack, then the wound festers. You don't pull it out. You just walk around. And eventually you know you have a problem because your foot is red, you have a fever, you don't feel well, and you start seeing pus in your shoe. So it's essential. Podiatrist is, podiatry is very essential for uh, public health with respect to monitoring people with Nerve dysfunction, especially diabetics. We, uh, as a profession, we cut the uh, amputation rate down dramatically. You don't want to go ahead and, and if you're a diabetic and you don't have good sensation in your feet, you don't want to cut your own nails because you could take a, a tip of your uh, of your uh, toe off because you're not feeling the the blade. I've I've done surgery on some people um, and. I gave them anesthesia, but they didn't need it because they didn't wow. feel what they had. I had, a, I had a patient who came to me who had a big hole on the bottom of the foot, a diabetic with nerve problems of their feet, and they had a hole in their big toe. And I said to them, what happened? And a very nice gentleman, he said, well, I was going through an airport screening device, and they told me to take my keys out of my pocket, and I put them in my shoes as, oh. I, as I was screened. Oof. And then I put my shoe back on, and I walked away. And at the end of the flight, he realized something was wrong because he couldn't find his keys, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they were in his shoe. Oh, yeah. Now I gave him. I, I uh, we were able to fix him, and and thank God. But that's the leading cause of amputations in America. It's not peripheral arterial disease or, or lack of blood flow. It's the the decreased level of sensation that diabetics feel and the wounds they get and the fact that they don't know they have the wounds and they don't seek treatment. So the best way of handling this is to see a, a foot care professional on a regular basis, let them inspect your feet, let them make sure your circulation is adequate, let, let them take a look at your your nerve issues or your nails ingrowing, etc. This is highly preventative and, and extremely important. It's a really great good public service that we as a profession do. Indeed. All right. Well, I thought for the sake of uh, completeness, we'd have you uh, issue some caveats about uh, foot care for people with uh, blood sugar problems. It's tremendously important. Routine foot care, not just, eh, problem arises, you go to the podiatrist. Need to make it, it, it might be too late. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great, great stuff. Okay. Uh, all right. So, so once again, you know, for our listeners, uh, if you want to try Zobria, uh, there's a, a special opportunity for our intelligent medicine listeners. You can get Zobria risk-free. I believe there's a, you know, there's a, uh, 20% off with the coupon code Hoffman at checkout. You go to Zobria.com. It's spelled Z-O-B-R-I-A.com. Uh, you know, it's something that, um, I really support the use of because it might provide relief to countless people out there uh, who haven't yet availed themselves of the opportunity. So really congratulations for uh, mainstreaming this. Uh, it's no longer esoteric knowledge. It's something that we can get out to the public. Thank you. Dr. Hoffman, I, uh, I really appreciate your uh, courtesy, your, your, your clever fellow and your, the work you're doing is is really very admirable, and I want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you for your support. It's an absolute pleasure working with you. Well, indeed. Well, thank you very much. That was Dr. Richard Mann. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.